Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore and the heart and soul of professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer and I ask one question, and that is, Nation, what would be your one question to Vince McMahon? That's right. You have the opportunity to ask Vince McMahon a question. What would that question be? Also, I give my one question. Tommy gives his question. And how about this? Beulah of ECW fame joins us and she gives us her one question that she actually had the opportunity to ask Vince McMahon. Plus, great story. We have Shane Taylor of Ring of Honor who joins our show as well right now on the Busted Open Podcast. If you had the opportunity to ask Vince McMahon one question, what would that one question be? And I got to be honest with you, Tommy, for me, it would be like a juggle about what I would want to ask him and what would be a good question for the show. Because you know me, Tommy, if I had to ask him a question, I'm probably going to lean towards, you know, when he took over the company in the early 80s. I'd probably go back to that point just because it's something that was being held in for all these decades. Or would I do what's best for the show and ask a question about what's going on currently with the WWE? So for me, it's going to be a, a little bit of a juggle. But you know what? For the nation, I want to hear it. And I mean, I want it. I don't want like a comment like that's going to be sarcastic or a comment that's a little bit of a blow about the current product. Like, seriously, if you were able to get one question, there's a press conference. It's a press conference and the entire nation is invited to the press conference. Vince McMahon's at the podium. What's the one question you're going to ask Vince McMahon? Because honestly, Tom, you look at it, you're going you're going back to the 70s when he was commentating for his dad with the then WWF to taking over the company in the 80s, all the things that went on in the early 80s, the Hogan era, the Attitude era, you know, uh, pulling the curtain back when it came to kayfabe, everything that's happened with the emergence of WrestleMania and the stadiums, the TV deals, like, and like what's going on now with the current struggles with COVID. I mean, I, I would think there is a ton of questions, but again, the nation, you only get one. This is a tough assignment for the busted open nation, Tommy. I think you, since you're the host, you could actually ask two questions. I think, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to put them all on the spot. We can ask, I think wrestlers would have more inclined to ask uh, a question to Vince. Like I said, I've actually asked him and, you know, I told you I've had arguments with him. I've had discussions with him. But uh, I think a lot of wrestlers, because at times they'll blame certain moments in their career 
And if they were working there, they blame him. And I think it would be a lot more to ask um, him the question. So we have three talents here that have all, uh, you know, wrestlers. So we could ask them. And I think we should do that. We should have done this all week. Maybe we'll start it from, you can do it tomorrow. Bully, you got any guests tomorrow? Uh, right now, I don't think we have guests, but we do have AEW and NXT tonight, Tommy. So, right, I mean, so I, I think the fans are used to hearing about our takes on AEW and NXT. How about we ask every talent going forward, wherever we have, if you had one question, ask Vince McMahon, we ask Vince McMahon. Should be an ongoing get- bit. Can we get Vince McMahon on? Do you think Vince McMahon would ever give us the time of day and come on this show? I think if we ask every single wrestler this question, he'll be bound to kind of come up and defend himself. Okay. All right. We'll try it. Everybody tweet at Vince McMahon. I mean, Vince McMahon does have a Twitter account. See see where that takes us. Yes. His corporate bot will answer. Yes, I feel that I will do Busted Open one day. (laughs) (laughs) It does have this documentary series on Netflix to promote. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that noise. Hang on. What was that little noise you just made? You went, <laughs> yeah. What was that? It's a Did little you bit of a stroke e- out or something. It's a no. It's an evil laugh, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, there. I mean, honest to God, though, one day I am going to have a stroke on the air. I don't think okay. it would be with you, though. No, I think uh, it'll either be uh, an infurious rate uh, rant It'll definitely be on a power rankings day. I'm sure that Bully Ray will cause it. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. That's a good poll to put up to the nation. (laughs) On what day would I have my stroke on the air? Would it be a Tommy day, a Mark day, a Bully Ray day, or a day where uh, neckbeard uh, Ryan McKinnell is filling in? It'll be on a Tuesday. Come on. Easy question. After oh, Raw, oh, that's a, you know what? Even better. What the, it's not even about who's uh, the co-host. Like, is it a Tuesday after a Monday Night Raw? Is it a Monday when I'm doing my power rankings? Is it a Friday with Justin Labar? I mean, there's a there's a, is it? I'm on the phone with one, you know, with with somebody like a, a call a nation member, Hansy calling in or giving me shit. Is that when I'm gonna have my stroke on the air? I think it'll be like. You'll say something on your power rankings. Everyone will start healing you. Bubble will chime in. And then, you know, you'll be like, how could you pick that person? I'll be at left turn. And then you're out. All right. So this is this is a really good homework <laughs> assignment for the Busted Open Nation. It's almost like it's not a homework assignment. It's a pop quiz because we're doing it right now. So we have the question out there. Vince McMahon. You know, you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. Vince McMahon's on that Mount Rushmore. So if you had the opportunity to ask Vince McMahon one question, what would that question be? Also, knowing knowing definitively that I will die one day on the air, stroke, heart attack, you know, I will die on the air. What day will I die on the air? Will it be a Monday? Doing my power rankings. Would it be a Tuesday when I'm talking about Monday Night Raw? 
Will it be a Wednesday with Tommy because you'll do something or say something to aggravate me? Will it be a Thursday when I'm yelling about why we shouldn't fight about AEW and NXT? Or is it a Friday with Mark Henry or possibly Ryan McKinnell on a Saturday because Mark didn't show up because he had to fly somewhere? Who knows? Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime with the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. Let's go out to the nation quick and find out what they what they would ask Vince McMahon. Let's go out to Matt in Georgia. What do you got, Matt? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good to talk to you again. Good talking to you. Hey, my question to Vince would be, what is it that motivated him to start a football league again? I have seen a lot of things from him that I felt like I understood. I really have never grasped what made him do it and do it twice. And then if you pass, and God bless you, I hope you don't, it's going to be on Tuesday after another terrible Raw. That's it, man. Y'all have a good day. All right, thanks, Matt. And I think most likely that's a good one. I think it most likely will be on a Tuesday. Though I will say this, Tommy, this past Tuesday, I didn't get angry. I didn't get angry yesterday. It's almost now it's expected, so I don't really get angry on Tuesdays like I used to when it comes to Raw because when it's happened this all, it's like Lana going through a table. You know it's oh going to happen. God, I was just going to say that. You stole my brain. Wow. I'm sorry. I didn't actually steal your brain. We're in two different locations. It would be difficult for me to do. Plus, I don't have a hacksaw. We, um, I think uh, if we're going to go, if you're going to, it'll be on a Wednesday because that's, you know, we've had a lot of bad stuff usually happen on Wednesdays when I host the show. And then uh, I would just say, okay, now close this box. And I would start your memorial right then and there. Gabby, wow. Ryan. Yeah, we just we'd have to do it. We'd have to get, uh, call Doug Mortman in right away. Get all, I would start it. I'd be on the phone. Hey, you want to do Busted Open? Dave's uh, dead right now. The coroner's in his house. We can, we'll show. We'll run live footage. It'd be great. He would jump on in a second, too, to do it. I'd be crying. I'd cry all the time. Oh, thanks, Tommy. Tommy. Oh, that's another thing. I wonder if people will cry if I pass on. It's going to happen on the air. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Okay. Let's Gabby get said rid she of would cry. Morbid too. conversation. Gabby we are in a pandemic. We're trying to make people feel better. We don't all right. want to talk about our crazy well, probably people that would feel better. A couple, couple ex wives that would probably feel better <clears> if I passed on. All right. So, Tommy, uh, when the, our question, Matt from Georgia asked about the, about the XFL. With the, with you know it only lasting that one season the first time around when really the NFL was probably at its most popular and then taking a swing at it again obviously because of the pandemic it was cut short it was actually getting some really good reviews though attendance wasn't great why do you think Tommy that Vince McMahon took another stab at the XFL? Well, I feel one it's because he failed the first time, and then if you remember, they did that thirty for thirty. And I feel that 30 for 30 was the litmus test to see if there was any garnered interest. So I felt it's a big work and they kind of had it in their back of their mind about doing it because, you know, a lot of people want to talk about 
the failures of the XFL. And they want to point out, you know, a lot of Vince McMahon's failures because he succeeded at so much in wrestling. And there, you know, a lot of the things that Vince McMahon and the XFL brought were now commonplace in the NFL, which before the XFL, they were not like that one swing camera, the all access to the locker room, the on-field reporting, all that stuff was all from the XFL, the 30 for 30, put that out there. Um, when you talk about the, the relaunch, it actually was becoming successful. There was a lot of positive talk about it. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I don't think the XFL wouldn't, would have failed barring COVID. So COVID kind of killed the XFL. And when you want to talk about things turning around, if there was failure attached to it or you're going to lose money, the XFL is currently owned by whom? That's the right, Rock. The Rock. And they're considering a relaunch. The Rock, anything he touches, would also turns to gold. And without having secured television rights, and The Rock is pretty big on that whole NBC Universal family with you know Titan Games and all those other shows, I think that the USFL on the USFL, the XFL is going to be successful. Maybe Donald Trump could bring back the USFL now that he's kind of. He, no, as well. Donald Trump killed off the USFL. I know. Don't bring up Donald Trump's name when you're talking about the great league that was once was the USFL. I know. I know. It was fun. You ready to get back to the nation, Tommy? Actually, too, getting some interesting uh, tweets as well. Enzo Amore uh, joined in on the conversation and wants to know how much the WWE makes on their YouTube channel because we've seen a lot of uh, successful uh, superstars of the uh, WWE uh, do well uh, when it comes to YouTube, Tommy. Correct. No, that, like I said, wrestlers will have different. You also got to look at it for two different types. You'll look at wrestlers that no longer give an F where they'll just say whatever. And then you're going to look at people who I don't want to say have fear or, Hey, I'll get another run brother. Um, so it would be, it would be interesting because I always find it great when you're someone who's getting a paycheck praises the WWE. And then when they're let go, it's, Ooh, we don't like you anymore, which I don't like that type of person. Uh, well, you know, they're welcome to join in on the conversation as well. Any former employees or pro wrestlers or maybe even current ones talking about third party income, they're welcome to join in on the conversation as well. Let's go out to Thomas in New Jersey. Thomas, what would be your one question to Vince McMahon? So my one question to Vince McMahon would be, what wrestler does he most admire and like the ring work? Okay, I, I mean, Thomas, that's a good question. What wrestler would Vince McMahon most admire? Because there's a list of people you know that were kind of the face of his company. Hulk Hogan, uh, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, v- very recently John Cena. You know, or maybe there's somebody on the current roster that he feels can be the future of the WWE. Tommy, that's a really good question. Like, who would be number one on the list for Vince McMahon in his years in control of the WWE? I remember it well, sitting in a creative meeting, and we had brought up Roddy Piper's name. 
And someone then said, oh, we could also get Cowboy Bob Orton. And Vince stopped, had a very, very nice reflective um, kind of demeanor about him. And he said, the best in-ring performer I ever saw was Cowboy Bob Orton. And he said, that guy could do it all. He was so innovative and he could, he was just so goddamn great in the ring. Wow. This is when Randy Orton was just first starting coming up. We all know his favorite wrestler as a kid was Dr. Jerry Graham, but he said uh, in ring performer that he said it, there was a bunch of people in the room was cowboy Bob Orton. Um, so junior Randy's dad was the best uh, in ring worker he had ever seen. That's what I had. I was there for it live. Don't know if that still holds true. But that was a very profound statement, I felt. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. We got a great tweet from Christina, and Chris, she asked, how come you prohibit the current roster from becoming the megastars that you created in the past, such as Hogan, Austin, Rock, Taker, and Cena? Bully talks about all the time here on Busted Open, Tommy, that, you know, the days of those megastars are over. It's more about the brand. Why? You know, when it comes to pro wrestling, it's always the stars that drive the show, Tommy. Yeah. Um, you also got to think about this a different time. What Dave, I remember I was obsessed with professional wrestling more so than any person. I knew that this is what I wanted to do for my life. I could not find information to how do I become a professional wrestler? I had to, I found a, from a wrestling magazine the world-class wrestling Academy. And I had to mail in my application, all that stuff. And I had to get months to get a response until I finally got accepted. And then I called and then the person just kind of was rude and hung up on me. Thankfully, I saw something in the newspaper um, that made me go on an audition and I met my trainer, Johnny Rods. That information was not at my fingertips. We're talking about people tweeting stuff. If you think about back then, even the era of The Rock, Stone Cold, um, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, what was different about them, Dave? You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't see their private lives. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, they had this, I don't know, this enigma, this aura about them. That changes. If we're talking about what makes people different? Look how MJF is different. I just saw MJF heal a dog on social media. You know why? Because he's a heel and he's always in character. For me, uh, I'm different. But if I was a heel, I told you, if I turned heel, I probably wouldn't host this show. I would probably say goodbye to this show if I was turned heel in an AEW or a WWE because I would not want heel Tommy dreamer to be nice and talk to people on the air. I'm different. 
But all those people were, think of how crazy everyone went when Undertaker got on social media or when we did the documentary about The Undertaker or we actually heard him talk not like The Undertaker. Um, Michelle McCool has talked about it. Anyway, a lot of those stars uh, has a lot to do with that. The cool factor, The Rock. I think The Rock follows one or two people. It's just, it's such a different time. And I also think that like there's, you know, super duper Roman Reigns has that super duper aura about him and he doesn't really tweet. He doesn't really do stuff like that. There's, there's certain levels of it. I think the only guy to be that super duper level is a Randy Orton. He's your current champion. And when he tweets, he uses it as a tool. CM yeah. Punk used it as a tool. There's a lot of different variables that go about it. I don't think, I think it's kind of a, at times a two-way street. I really do. Uh, Scott Fishman of Wrestling Inc. throws out the question, what is the biggest misconception about Vince McMahon and the way he does business that he'd like to clear up? That's a really good question from Scott. Like, Because there are a lot of misconceptions about Vince McMahon. I would probably be like, or does Vince McMahon even care about the misconceptions that are out there about him? I think we all do because we are a human. And if we get it, you've heard baseball players, Hall of Fame players talk about, hey, I read the press and I heard what you read. That stuff does get to people. Um, I, don't, I think he might live in his own little bubble. Mm-hmm. But uh, listen, man, I've, I've, like I said, Vince McMahon would be someone – that I've chosen to hang out with. I've hung out with him after wrestling. I've worked out with him. He's, he was a cool dude always to me. And there are certain things that, yeah, I think we, we all have regrets in life. And I don't know if he would ever answer those questions, but when you do business, dude, it's totally different. Uh, Like I said, man, I, I run house of hardcore. I have not run a show in forever. Why? because of COVID. Why? I don't have, could I start doing empty arena matches? Sure. But then for what? I'm going to just burn through all my money. Um, if I had people under contract, I would have had to let them go. And most of them are my, are my friends because I'd have to survive. But that's the business aspect of it. It really is. It sucks, but that's what we have to live with. And those are, there's decisions. I saw somebody wrote, um, what would he have changed uh, not running the show after Owen Hart? I think 1000% yes. And if it kind of, we had the Chris Benoit tragedy where, Hey, we finally canceled a Monday night raw because of something happened like that. Not raw SmackDown. Um, but with the Owen th- situation for if, if it happened to me, every wrestler is the show must go on my generation, generations before me. Now it's a lot different. Mm -hmm. And that also answers to your question of how come they're not the mega, mega superstars that are, because it's a different era. It really is. I, I haven't posted a, there, there's just so much, there's just so much to it, but you know, to answer questions like that, everything happens for a reason um, you'll have people that are just like angry that they lost their jobs during the COVID, um, 
times, you know, that whole group of, of wrestlers that got let go and it would be like, how dare you do that? But then you have to really look in the mirror and say, what if this was my family? What if you ran the WWE? You know, you'd have to do those same things. RJ on Twitter asks a good question, Tommy, that you might be able to answer. And that is, if you were to hire Dave LaGreca, how would you use him? I put him on the bump. That's what I would do. I'd send him into his own personal hell for all those years of talking smack about me. Welcome to the W. Welcome to the how I could teach you. <laughs> would I replace Matt Camp? Oh, no. He'd be your partner. Oh, boy. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The topic on our show today, um, if you're interested in joining in on the conversation, and we got a big response from the nation on, on this topic, and that is, if you had one question for Vince McMahon, what would that question be? So, you know, I'll throw it at you, Buell. If you had one question for Vince McMahon, what would that question be? Oddly enough, I actually asked a question uh to vince mcmahon and that okay. was and you are <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. so uh the story behind that being um you know i used to uh ride with tommy and paul and um <clears throat> i had heard paul was talking about how vince mcmahon really liked the blue meanie he you know was kind of like in a conversation putting him over and then we did uh, a thing at the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, Manhattan right? <clears throat> Manhattan Center. Same Sorry. Thing. Yeah. Manhattan Center. So um, when we walked in, Mini was in front of me and Vince was in the makeup chair and the blue Mini, who is already in his gimmick. So you can't mistake in who he is, walked up to Vince and introduced or, or no. And it said, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And Vince looked at him and said, and you are? And I got me really hot because I was like, he knows exactly who this guy is. He's just trying to make him feel little. And wow. so it made me really angry. So then it was my turn and I walked up and I said, hey, I'm Beulah and you are? <laughs> and then he's like, Vince McMahon. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. And then I walked away. So that was my one question for Vince McMahon was, and you are? Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. And why would Vince McMahon do that? If he, if knowing he was a fan of Blue Meanie to do that, that's terrible. I'm so glad you do that. I, I admire that. Wow. That's an amazing question. So now a lot of our listeners know why my career wasn't so stellar back in 2001 and <laughs> 2. Thank you very much. You're married to that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it is it crazy though? After you know all this time and ECW, it's it's been you know you know twenty years, you know that it's still in in the heart and soul of so many pro wrestling fans. It's, I mean, mind boggling when you think about it, because back then we had no clue that it would have the kind of staying power that it has. It's, um, I never dreamed that people would even know who I am at this point in the game. I mean, it's been so many years, but um very happy that they do. I just, uh, 
again, it, it's strange because you never know when you're actually a part of something that's great. I mean, we were having fun. We were doing everything that we loved at the time. And I guess it, it just had some good staying power. When you're, you know, you're in the eighties and you're part of a, uh, a hair band, you don't realize that these are the greatest times in your life. And then here comes mm -hmm. grunge and grunge takes over and pretty much kills hair bands. That's, you know, we always equate that to what ECW did uh, change the business. But back then we didn't realize it, her or I, or even Paul, but yes, that staying power, the, the fact that the fans will still chant it um, mm -hmm. or the fact that they still talk about it, uh, with such high reverence, it, it's, it's a lot to do with because what we did were firsts, um, her, especially, you know, the first pregnancy angle, the first, uh, lesbian angle, girl on girl kiss, a lot of, uh, firsts that we had and people still, uh, talk about it slash, you know, it was pioneering an industry where, you know, and I've said this before, if you think about, it, we got kicked off of every network we were on and one of the networks said you know we implied lesbianism if you did that today ecw would be next level on top of the world because we'd have so many people supporting us it's yeah. just you know you we were talking about shane taylor about breaking barriers and using platforms for kind of positive you know there's always been talk about and i hate it because of social media with you know man on women violence in wrestling or, you know, it, it, it wasn't that it was part of the show and, and the women of ECW and the women of that generation, they were just as tough as the guys and added to every one of our storylines. And, you know, as much as I pile drove her and helped me get over, but it, it wasn't, it was just part of the show. And, you know, wrestling is different now. You'd have to, you have to be way more politically correct. Um, I don't, necessarily feel that way but even back in the day like shane douglas would do all these things he would never punch her right in the face and if we did do where we punched a girl we made a huge angle out of it uh but as opposed to wrestling moves it was just you know they were as safe as safe can be and they knew what they were getting into. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Before we finish up with the phones, how about you and I give out our questions to Vince McMahon? What do you got? One question to Vince McMahon. I wish I had two because I know what the second one would be. But I would ask him, do you really think it was worth it to have Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker and end the streak for the simple fact that at times, the streak was just as much as a draw as actual WrestleMania. Yeah. And don't you think the streak should have been ended once The Undertaker retired? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. My, my question, and, and, re, and really, that's going to be a debate that will go on forever. Because I really do feel that um, a mystique left WrestleMania once 
uh, Undertaker lost in New Orleans at WrestleMania 30. I would ask him, as you know, about Black Saturday, you know, July 14th, 1984, you know, when he took over World Championship Wrestling, and not so much about taking that over, that TBS time slot that was coveted by wrestling fans at 6.05 on Saturdays, but the fact that he chose to go with canned uh, matches from other shows to use, he, he used it almost as a best of instead of having like, you know, organic, you know, made for that show matches in the studio of TBS. I wonder if he regretted doing that because the ratings for that show tanked and then ultimately uh, the NWA took that time slot over again. Yeah, that was uh, one of the few, I guess, losses yeah in the wrestling industry he eventually got it due to other people's failures or whatever but yeah that you know we thankfully was able to get back georgia championship wrestling and then wcw at 605 and i'm happy that was your question because i was hoping it would be because we had talked about it all the time i think your number two would be wise and cindy lopper in the wwe hall of fame it's a disgrace um so there's uh i had those as your one and two and then Monday Night Raw, current product, but it'll be number three. Yeah. That, and then yeah, you'd be Raw. asked to leave the interview area. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you? do you make Raw shit on purpose? That would probably be my third question. <laughs> Let's go to Bill in Maryland. Bill, what's your one question to Vince McMahon? This is a little controversial, but I'm just curious. Why the hell do you let the event to go on when Owen Hart had died in the square circle? And Bill, and Bill, we kind of talked about this earlier, uh, Tommy. And Bill, thanks for the question. And it's kind of like you mentioned it. It's kind of that old school mentality of the show must go on. But Tommy, like you said, if that happened today, he would not go on with that show. Correct. And to answer the call, if that was me, uh, and I mean, sh she knows this, I'd want the show to go on. And But now, yeah, you would just uh stop everything and say see you later everybody but different times different uh different mentality i also think too at this time just like they, they wouldn't they would be prevented from having that show go on i don't think that would even be able to, to to happen even if it wouldn't be up to vince mcmahon to decide that i think other people would decide that for him hey everyone this is former nfl linebacker and current sirius xm nfl radio host kirk morrison and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast total coverage each week i'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results whether we're breaking down player techniques game plans or coaching philosophies we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Tommy, very excited for our next guest for a very first time here on Busted Open is the CEO of Shane Taylor Productions. And who do you get on? But the man himself, Shane Taylor. Sir, how are you today? So much for joining us here on a Wednesday edition of Busted Open. How are you? Listen, I'm doing great. I'd be even better if you'd have said it right. It's the CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions. Promotions. Come on, man. You are a professional. I need you to be on your A game at all times. Promotions, productions, enterprises. You're the CEO, but I do <laughs> thank you for correcting me, and thanks so much for joining us. I can't believe it for a first time here on Busted Open. Listen, man, I'm excited. Granted, you know, being who I am, it shouldn't have taken you this long to have me on, but we're going to look past that because I'm ready for a great interview. 
I, I appreciate the time. And you know what? Like, I wanted to get you on because there's definitely been a buzz about you uh, with Ring of Honor. And I know this has been a tough, you know, eight months here, this last eight months that we've all been going through with COVID. But uh, I think Ring of Honor has been doing a great job, especially like having that uh, ROH Pure uh, championship in the tournament. So what what has the last eight months been like for you, Shane? Man, the last eight months have been a crazy roller coaster. You know, I'm, I'm probably sure that I don't have to explain that to you guys, but uh, man, from being on top of the world to having things shut down, obviously the social climate in, in, in that time and, and and continuing until now, you know, dealing with that, having two young children, um, having one old enough to sort of, understand what's going on not really but see at least that something's wrong and and having to explain that at such an early age um that that took a toll and then you know just with wrestling um having all that time off can be a blessing and a curse right so for me dealing with some injuries not really stopping after 13 years you know that break allowed me to heal a bit, which was great. Uh, but the mind games that that long of a layoff plays on you are absolutely ridiculous, right? So then you come back and, and you're wondering yourself, man, am I still going to be who I was before the break? Did I forget how to wrestle? You know, what's, what's you, you start trying to remember small things. And um, most of that, 99% of it is just all in your head. You know, and then once we were able to get back into the ROH bubble, uh, once you were able to get back in the ring and do the things that you do, feel everything, it all comes back to you. Um, and ROH did a great job, you know, being in the bubble of uh, having the strict protocols, having the testing, making sure that people were taken care of uh, throughout the whole thing. Uh, so you got to give a big hats off to them because there was nobody. Um, the last thing, right, that you needed to be worried about in that time was uh, if your money was going to be okay. And so the, for them to take care of everybody financially the way they did was great. I just uh, was with Rhett Titus, uh, wrestled him on Saturday. And I'll tell you one thing that I found beyond professional. Um, I went and got a COVID test just for – you know, my own uh, state of mind, but he was like, Hey, by the way, I got COVID tested on Thursday. So we're safe. And like, you know, they were, there were fans there. It was in New Jersey. Um, He explained to me the strict, strict because uh, ring of honor is doing it in Maryland where they have, you know, always have had the strictest of uh, a state athletic commission for you. Uh, having two young children, I think that's also reassuring and it shows the human side of what we do. Uh, because I know as a man, it, not that it's okay, but if you got COVID it's one thing, but if you gave it to your children, that's a whole other level. Uh, 100, 100%. Um, and yeah, like I, any father worth a damn would, <laughs> would agree to the same thing. You know what I mean? If something happens to you, that's one thing. But it affecting your wife, your kids, you know what I mean? Like, that's a whole different issue. Uh, so the steps that they made to make sure, you know, uh, that people were tested and taken care of, you know, big hats off to them. Um, they've done a great job in both uh, both tapings. 
uh, and I'm sure the next time that we do it again, they'll be uh, just as vigilant. You know, Shane, one thing I wanted to bring up, and you mentioned it before, and I, and I think it should be repeated, uh, especially during this time that we're going through, is you know how loyal Ring of Honor was with their employees, their wrestlers, and their staff. Because even when things were in question and they weren't sure how they're going to be able to continue their show, they made sure that they took care of their employees. And, and, and that's something that kind of fell under the radar. And with a lot of talk about other companies letting people go, I think Ring of Honor should really be commended about what they were able to do with their employees. Absolutely. You know, because they, they didn't have to do that, right? Uh, they, they could have gone the same, same route and said profit over people. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. We're just talking about actions, right? So, like, yeah. um, they could have gone that route. You know what I mean? But uh, they understood what the situation was, um, and, and they made sure that everybody got taken care of. You know, they have to be commended for that. Um, and then to not only do that, but then come back out the gate uh, with something uh, original and captivating, uh, like the pure tournament, was great. You know, so 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 there. So we're really on a roll. Shane, uh, I'm wrestling 31 years. I had to change um, and adapt to no fans. What did you do to change and adapt? in ring how different was it for you the no fence thing seemed very daunting at first right because everything you do is based off of hearing those sounds and judging off of that right and a lot of what what we very much do is in ring and adaptation um so for me it was weird at first but once you're kind of going you sort of have the best thing that I can describe it to is like a good quarterback. You have that mental clock, right? So that that starts to come into play when you have no fans. You start to get a mental gauge of, all right, this this would normally be here, or this would normally be here, and then you kind of just play with that. Uh, and being a person that really thrives off of that energy and those environments, uh, you have to then look for that motivation inside or against your opponents luckily for me me and my guys were in there against the briscoes uh so uh, you have to kind of be energetic at all times they're just gonna or they're just gonna beat your ass so uh being in there with with the briscoes definitely helped in ec3 of course um but once you really get going the not having the fans there um wasn't as you know as grave of a task as i thought it was going to be did you do you know, diff anything different? Like I remember my first match back was hell. It was pay-per-view against Moose and I'm just, you know, I actually was just running Hills in my backyard for cardio because as much as you could do cardio or train there's, and you know, this, there's nothing like being in ring shape. Is there anything you had to do differently to get yourself back into that type of shape? Uh, yeah, I, I went in and I kind of like re redid my whole garage, try to put like, like a mini gym. So I, I, I went and got like, like, like a bench, some dumbbells, uh, got, I got a heavy bag put in my garage, you know, years of boxing. I was like, all right, if I can't get to the gym, I'll, I'll try to bring the gym to me as much as possible with the essential things that I need. 
so it was a lot of lot of rounds on the bag, a lot of jump rope, you know, and, and to just trying to keep that uh try trying to keep that uh level of wind, but like you said, there's no substitute for being in ring and definitely felt it the first time back, but after that was like, all right, we're good. Shane, I want to get into to your in-ring career because you do have championship titles. You, you've, you've had some amazing matches as well. Is there one that stands above any other? I mean, I love the, the match you had at the 17th anniversary show with Jeff Cobb. Is there one match that kind of stands above for you that you're most proud of? Man, um, I would probably have, have to go with the second Jeff Cobb match. I mean, the first one was great for us. Uh, in uh, in Philadelphia because mm-hmm. nobody a, expected us to have that sort of a match. Uh, so to 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 then have it be my first pay per view um, in in four years with the company or so like have that be my first pay per view. Now the eyes of the world are on us because they've seen what happened in Philly, and so now it's one of those moments where people are like, all right. You've been talking trash this whole time about this is the this is the platform you need to be on. You had a lucky match, or at least some thought. Can you do it again? Can you guys go out there and do, you know, and up the bar now? So for the first time, there was pressure, right? Uh, and so for me to go out there and then steal the show again with Jeff Cobb was sort of validation for myself. Um, and I was able to say, you know, this this isn't a fluke. These performances aren't you know, rare, I can do this night in and night out. So that felt good. So that that's probably one of the ones that I'm most proud of. You know, Shane, we had Eddie Kingston on here last week before the Full Gear pay-per-view with AEW, and he really went into, like, his life leading into his career and then his life, you know, being before being signed to AEW, where, you know, he had a lot of uh, trials and, and tribulations you know, once your story is a phenomenal story, your story, not only in the ring that you tell in the ring and one of those examples being that Jeff Cobb match, but what you had to go through before the start of your career. And it's not really well known. And and like you really had a a, a tough childhood. You you know, you grew up in in the streets of Cleveland where, you know, I know that was extremely tough, even, you know, with your family. And then to be able to not only survive out of that, but now to be a professional wrestler and to live your dream. It's a phenomenal story. And it seems not a lot of people uh, know that story. Is is there a reason for that? Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if there's a reason for it. But for me, um, th- this is the take that I have on it, right? For people that want to know, I tell them. But um, my goals, especially the, the creation of Shane Taylor promotions, is, of course, to entertain everybody and be there for everybody. But specifically, um, being on TV and being on this platform, I want to present a positive image to to black youth especially, right? Uh, all, all day, they're bombarded with negative imagery throughout TV, media, movies, you know, everything, right? They're told, you know, that in order to be successful, you've got to be a gangster. In order to be successful, you've got to be a pimp. In order to be successful, you've got to be this or that, right? And, and they're given that message constantly. And for me to be able to be on TV 
and be a positive image. Not saying that I'm, you know, a role model of any kind. I'm just saying that to present a positive image and tell a different story from a different perspective is, is, is paramount for me and my guys. Now, I will share that story because that's how you can relate to some people better to go, hey, I know this is where you came from. I know what you went through because I went through the same things. And if I can do it, I'm not anybody special. If I can do this, you can too. Dude, that's uh, amazing. I don't know uh, your story, but I would love to hear it on a a private conversation. But I was just watching the Hall of Fame uh, for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they had, you know, um, Notorious B.I.G. got in. And I'm listening to this whole thing, and then he was 24 when he was shot. And he said, I did, you know, the gangbang and and the most prolific and – statement that he made that I could not grasp as a white person growing up in suburban America. And he was like, the only way I was able to survive was getting involved in trouble, hustling, dealing drugs, uh, doing all that stuff. And he was like, I started on the streets at nine and then 12, I was doing this. And then, you know, for his life to be taken at 24 years old, when he was literally at the top of the world. And I was like, then I compared to myself, I was like, wow, I was 24 and just getting into the ECW uh, feud with Raven. And that's something that I can't, can't comprehend, but for you to be able to share stuff like that and use your platform for good, my hat is off to you and I will do nothing but try to help support that as well. Because like you, you said it the best, man, I try to use my platform for positivity because if now or more than ever, we need it. And then as a father, as just someone who wants to use their platform for better, it's a great thing that you're doing. Thank you. You know, and that, and that means the world, especially coming from someone like yourself. Um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words right now, but um, that's the goal. And, and, and it's very important for me to make sure that I explain again that because this is the goal that I want and, and, and I know specifically who's going to be able to relate to me the best doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not telling stories or here to entertain everybody. It, 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 it's just especially being a black male, there is a certain obligation that you have when you're in these positions that is hard to explain to other people who don't have to live this type of life experience. Um, and, and, and that, that responsibility is one that I take seriously. And I let people know, Hey, I know who I am. I know the weight on my shoulders. And so it's very important then to, um, to, to be, to have people in these roles, to be able to open those doors for the next generation. Yeah. Uh, Because it's the next generation that's going to make the change. Um, Absolutely. And I see it through social media, you know, back in the day, if a promoter would screw you over, it would be someone just being like, Oh, that guy's an asshole. But now on social media, if somebody screws you over, you could at least go tell your story and call out people like that. You know, this is again, uh, you know, when we get out of the COVID world, but 
there was a lot of pretenders out there and, you know, screwing over people right. for money and all that stuff that can't, that shouldn't and won't happen anymore. And that's the next generation's uh, way to try to help and make change in, in, in the world of wrestling. But as performers, like you saw, and I'm not a political person, but like Mick Foley, Kevin Nash, all go out and use their platforms to try to help mm-hmm. get change in the world because we kind of really need some change. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Tupac had a quote that was great. He said, look, I may not be the one to change the world, but I may like the spark that turns into the flame that does. Right. And so I've sort of carried that mindset with me to go, look, if I can be the one that inspires the kid to grow up and want to go into politics and, and, and do this, and he got that self-confidence from watching me, then I mean... That, that's what this is all about. And Shane, uh, and, and, and I think everybody, you know, a lot of people can relate to this that are listening and Tommy and I can relate to it. When you're a family, man, it takes it to a completely different level because now you have people in your home, own home that are completely dependent on you. Man, that's <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And if you asked me, you know, seven years ago, you know, I, I, I probably would have had a different mindset, right? But having two baby girls now and, and living in this world changes your perspective, right? So, I mean, for me, I, I, I mentioned my daughter, you know, sort of understanding things that are going on. And, and so she was, um, she was watching TV with me when the whole George Floyd case broke. Right. And, and she doesn't know exactly what's happening, but she knows the guy died and and that the police were involved. And so she looked at me and a- asked me, well, Daddy, are the police going to get me, too? And I tell you, man, of all the things that I've done, right, I've, I've, I've fought guys with guns. I fought guys with knives. That was the hardest conversation. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do was was, was sit down and, and sort of explain to her and look her in the eyes and, and explain what was going on to the best of my ability, you know, and, and then console her to the fact that, you know, if there's anything that I got to say about it, that won't happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, today's theme of the show, and again, you're a different generation than me. Uh, if you had the ability to ask Vince McMahon one question, what would that question be? And I would love to hear your answer. Oh, if I had to ask Vince McMahon one question, what would it be? <sighs> what was the reasoning that Booker didn't beat Triple H in that feud? Because I feel like he should have. Okay. Nice. I like that question. It's a good question. Because where the build was, it. where everything was going, it seemed like that should have been the outcome, Right. And Booker was already a star, already a, a two-time Hall of Famer, right? Like, he, he's, he's already cemented. But I feel like at that moment, you would have been able to have that Kofi Kingston moment where everybody went nuts, you know? And, and the possibilities of what that could have meant, you know, even further would have been great. I've, I've always uh, wondered that. I would go the political route and you should ask Booker, but I would go to the political route and be like, <laughs> champion didn't want to uh, lose the title. <laughs> he had a little I stroke mean, in the company too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, 
you know, speak for the man or, or, or you know, claim what, you know, that, that I know is, uh, that I know his, uh, you know, thought process or anything like that. But as, as a kid, it was always like, man, damn, like, that would have been great to see, you know, but, oh, well. And then you start to think about it as you're, as you're a pro, you're like, man, yeah, why did that not happen? Like, damn, all the, all, all the shit was there. You know what I'm saying? Side of cuss, but you know what I mean? That's right. Satellite radio. It's, it, you know, and just to make it fair, you know, if I had one question for a CEO of Ring of Honor, Joe Coff, I would be like, how does Bobby Cruz still have a job? You know, it's just like. Listen, hey, hey, come on, man. You got to get off of Bobby. Bobby. Bobby's the man. Bobby's the man. He goes out there, you know. There, there's very few that can do it like Bobby. So I, I like how you said that Bobby Cruz is the man. He goes out there, and then you know what, exactly what the. No, I'm joking. I love Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I love he Bobby. Thing, Cruz. He does his thing. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.